What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to a brand new edition in Believe in Heels Hoops presented by the Bet Online, or excuse me, presented by uh, Believe Online. Um, I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by the Star Hill Tribune's R.L. Bynum. Special guest host, Pete Chilcutt, in the house uh, for this week. Glad he could join us again. I uh, wish it was under better circumstances as the, the North Carolina Star Hills have had kind of an up and down week, uh, defeating their arch rival Duke at home on Saturday night uh, by nine. And then uh, doing what used to be unthinkable, losing to Clemson at home uh, last night, 80 to 76. Uh, the Tarles never led in this game and got it as close to 70 to 70 late in the second mm-hmm. half before uh, Clemson kind of put it away in the last three minutes. Um, guys, let's just before I get, I did find a, a RL's uh, video of uh, Hubert Davis post game talking about how the team just kind of wasn't really ready. Give me your initial thoughts here on what you saw. Uh, we won't linger on the Duke win too much since it happened on Saturday, but thoughts initially on what you saw last night and uh, is it fixable? Um, let's start off with you, Arl. I'll tell you, for the first time, it's the first time I've seen Armando Baycott look so frustrated talking to us after a game. And I, believe me, I saw that a lot last season. Uh, you could tell he wasn't happy with how they practice. He even said the shoot around didn't go well. You can't blame him, maybe other than not blocking out a couple of times down the stretch. 12 of their first 14 points, 24 points. Uh, but, yeah, just overall, just Clemson looked hungrier. And uh, as Roy Williams might say, uh, Carolina was uh, fat and happy after the Duke game. And it, it, it just uh, it just showed they, did, they didn't play spirited and just just didn't, didn't seem to put everything into it like uh, they did a few nights earlier. Pete, what was your initial thoughts? Uh watching that game last night. It felt like they just can never really get out of their own way. Yeah, exactly. I, I had a buddy in town, and I, I kept on saying, like, they're doing whatever they can to lose the game. It felt it felt frustrating, uh, you know, along with Armando, the kind of same feeling that maybe not prepared, which I could kind of understand at the beginning, but uh, <clears throat> you become so a, a, a used to this season, them making some big plays down the stretch, especially to, to close out some of these games on the road and to be at home with a home home court advantage and, and making the opposite of those plays at home, you know, missing some of those shots we've been making, not blocking out, just turnovers and uh, things kind of added up. And I'm not overly concerned, but, you know, two out of three losses uh, going forward, um, going on the road is a, a tough team next, next game. Um, there's some things to fix, and it is show you a little bit about maybe some of our depth uh, is is needed uh, in a game like last night where we didn't have Seth. Uh, 
able to come in and provide some of that spark he usually does. That was the yeah, best. I mean, you go back to the Florida State sure. game where Carolina was was uh, down big and came back. Seth Trimble's energy and particularly his defense really sparked that, and uh, Carolina really could have used that in the, in the particularly in the second half yesterday. And uh, you know, Paxson Wojcik had some solid minutes, but he just he doesn't have the uh, the tenacity on defense and the ability to drive Carolina's press like Seth Trimble. Uh, before, before, and that was actually where I was going to go. Was the absence of Seth Trimble was bigger than what I expected it to be. Um, before I get to that, though, a quick uh, word from our sponsors over at Bet Online. I need to get this in in the first couple of minutes of the pod. Uh, with the Super Bowl right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing, Bet Online has you covered with all the up to the second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V. To receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online where the game starts. And uh, for me, yeah, the absence of Seth Tremble, that first point guard off the bench, he might be one of our best uh, perimeter defenders uh, as well. And so him not being out there uh, kind of opened it up for some of the other players besides PJ Hall uh, for Clemson. Uh, Armando struggles to defend big men that can shoot threes, um, and we finally ran into one that was actually hitting him because Flip wasn't hitting his, free, uh, his three pointers on Saturday night, and it, it, uh, it was a huge difference in that Duke game. Um, I did not feel like I felt like they ex- almost exerted all their energy Saturday night, and then thought they could kind of just sleepwalk through Clemson. Um, and from the way Hubert talked and Armando, and I've actually pulled Armando's comments about it as well, so we'll get to those in just a bit. It kind of felt like they recognized that too. Um, the the trick now is, what do you do about it? Like, is it is this something that's going to carry over to Saturday when they go to Miami? Which I would assume not, since it's a road game. It's Miami. Miami was just like Clemson a couple months ago. You know, highly regarded coming into ACC play, dangerous game uh, going into it. Uh, or do you you know hit the the reverb switch and get back to what you were doing the past ten games, which was basically just kind of controlling uh, outcomes of games from the second half on. And even in this game, they were down 16 and fought all the way back to tie the score. But it felt like they just they didn't have enough to get over the hump to, to keep the score. They never had the lead the entire game. Uh, it took too long for RJ to get going. Just a lot of it seems like a lot of things have to happen for this Carolina team to lose. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like it, it can't just be it's an off night. Like it has to be multiple things have to happen for Carolina to lose. And people are hitting me with, well, they've lost two of their past three. Yeah, that was a combined four points. And one of them was a wild layup at the end of the game, and the other one was just, you know, semantics at the end with Clemson. So I didn't really leave that game feeling bad. Um, we were talking about it off camera. In a weird way, Carolina took one for the league uh, <laughs> by losing to Clemson because now that elevates Clemson in the net. Uh, Arl, can you explain what happened after uh, <laughs> after Clemson beat Carolina in the net rankings, not just for Clemson and Carolina, but it, it rippled across a bunch of teams that have seen Clemson uh, over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, the Carolina uh, Clemson moved up to 31 in the net. And uh, so one more spot. And uh, last night's loss is a quad one uh, loss, which is which is better than uh, Wake Forest. Uh, the, the net uh, rewards blowout wins. So like they paid Wake, attention Wake last Forest night. <laughs> moved up higher after beating Georgia Tech than Clemson did beating the number three team on the road, which is crazy. I don't understand it. I don't understand. And then, it. And then, so now, if, if uh, Wake Forest moves up two more spots, 
that victory Carolina got as a quad one. So that would help. So it's almost it's weird how it shifts throughout the year. Uh, wins that you thought were huge at the beginning of the year by the end of it, like our win against Arkansas. Like I'm not sure how much that's actually helping us now because Arkansas kind of fell off a cliff uh, once they got an SEC play. But uh, a win against say uh, FSU uh, that we had earlier in well either one of them from earlier in the year FSU still kind of floating around. Um, we haven't seen conversely the uh, Villanova loss. Yeah, it's now quad one because uh, of a win they had on Sunday. So. See, and and Nova's not that great. <laughs> you know, they're not very good. Uh, and I, I, I gotta let me let me address this before I get to Hubert and um, Armando's comments, and maybe uh, Pete, you can address this. The the, the UNC Duke rivalry. We touched on this last week. Coast Carolina came out victorious. Um, and I joke around with Duke fans online where if Duke loses, I'll post, oh, did Duke lose last night? That kind of thing. You know, just poking the bear, that kind of stuff. But never, as a Carolina fan, never would I sit there and go, I'm a Pitt fan tonight because Pitt beat Duke. You know what I mean? Like, that's just that, that I don't need to do that. I'm a Carolina fan. Like, I don't need to root for Pitt to beat Duke. But if they so happen to do it, <laughs> great. I'm going to cheer the fact that Duke lost. What I saw last night online was a lot of Duke fans basically proclaiming that they were now Clemson fans because of what Clemson did to Carolina. Doesn't it feel like a difference between uh, rooting for your rival to lose and gladly jumping on the bus of the team that beat them? Like th that To me, that seems like two different things. Am I wrong here? Because <laughs> that's what I'm seeing online with the Duke fans right now. I know they're in the feelings. I know they're hurt from Saturday, and they don't want to come to terms with what happened. Uh, but that's what I'm seeing. What do you guys think? Yeah, I've always been I've always been a guy who who if no no game Carolina games on they're not playing I might I might check out especially the last part of a Duke game where it's close and at that point I'm rooting for Duke to lose but it's, I'm indifferent for the team that's playing them it's just exactly it's, yeah you know, I, I don't really care um, I, I always would cuss at the TV when those when those games would would when those teams would kind of give those games away at the end and like come on guys but again I'm not I'm not a guy that's going to go online I'm not a fan of any other team really going forward after that, but but Carolina, but um, it is it is changed. The di dynamics changed a lot with the social media and how is how the interactions get out there, and, and uh, there's some there's some uh, viral hate out there for for all all ACC teams, and especially between Duke and Carolina. Yeah, RL, what were your thoughts on the the back? Yeah, and I remember I saw, saw one Duke fan posted he he couldn't believe that he was uh, cheering for Joseph Gerard. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but it, it's it's Carolina fans are the same way. My goodness, when when Duke's playing, uh, cheering for the other team for one game, so it's 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 a dynamic that happens a lot. See, I don't cheer for the other team. I just wish for their downfall. Like you yeah. know what I mean. Like I don't I don't like when uh, when Duke and Clemson played last week, and Clemson almost pulled off. Owen and Cameron for the first time in 19 since 1995 uh, and Duke escaped this Clemson team by one point. It wasn't like I'll sit at home, like, come on, Clemson, let's do this and pulled out my Clemson Tiger t-shirt and all this other stuff. No, like <laughs> once the game was over and I look at the score, I'm like, oh, Duke almost lost to Clemson. Like, would have been a shame if they had lost that game. Like, I mean, it's, it has nothing to do with Clemson to me. Like, but these Duke fans have latched on. I saw a lot of memes and stuff. And again, they're all emotionally hurt. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about Saturday real quick before we go over to Hubert and Armando. Um, was that the best game the, uh, the Tarles have played this year? I think it's, Tennessee. it's the best game uh, against the best competition um, in the biggest kind of game environment where they've, they've actually made some really big plays to kind of get the lead. And, and you know, 
being in that Smith Center was one of the most electric environments I, I had been in. competition. Um, I feel like the uh, the amount of plays in the second half to keep them at bay. I think if they had got a little closer, everything would have tightened up. But we were able to keep them at bay. Um, definitely, de- definitely the biggest win. And uh, I'm not sure. Like I mean, that first half against Tennessee was lights out. Um, kind of shows you what we can do and are possible of. But the fact that we kind of came in a little bit later now and, and are playing still pretty good ball against a, a, a team that's going to be there in the end, it was, it was a big win. In I, I, watching the replay on the DVR of the Duke game, I can tell you that TV doesn't do justice to how loud the Smith Center was on Saturday night after the big, big buckets. It, it was just amazingly loud. But – the, the part that impressed me the most against Duke was how they were, they were getting in transition. Even after Duke made a basket, they were pushing it up and pitching it ahead. And, uh, gee, didn't see, old school. didn't see much of that on Tuesday. Yeah, no. It, you know what? It felt, it felt like everybody was tired. Because I, I even thought about it while I was watching the game that I felt tired. Like, like but somewhere in the first half, it's like, man, I feel really tired for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what it is. And it felt like that in the Dean Dome. Like the fans felt kind of tired. The players didn't have the same juice, which uh, Seth Greenberg mentioned it during halftime. It's human nature. Uh, you know, he mentioned a time where uh, when he was coaching Virginia Tech, they went to Duke and beat Duke or something. And then the two days later, they had to play like Wake Forest or somebody and got beat out the gym. You know, like he was like, it's just that natural human nature of getting high for your rival. And then and accomplishing the goal. And then once it happens, it was such a short turnaround, too. That was the only thing I was worried about with this game was that they were playing on Tuesday, like right after playing Duke on Saturday. I think if they played today, like on Wednesday, I'd feel a little better about it. Um, here's uh, let me go ahead and pull this up. Here's uh, first courtesy of the Tar Heel Tribune. Um, it's a video of, uh, or, excuse me, of uh, Hubert right after the game. Um, he just was asked a question uh, by RL, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, in terms of the team's readiness for this uh, this game last night against Clemson, yeah, that wasn't big. I don't, I, I, I didn't particularly enjoy or like, um, you know, our practices leading up uh, to um, uh, to the game tonight, and um, you know, it's, it's- what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It's, it's the thing that I, that I told them in the huddle, um, the first time out in the at the beginning of the game that you know it's just not about x's and o's there's nothing from a basketball standpoint we can talk about until um, the energy and the and the effort and the enthusiasm rises and if that would rise and things would change and then we could start talking about basketball and so um, in order to win a game like this um, just didn't play well enough and you really have to compliment Clemson and and, and the way that they played and they're a really good basketball team and ex- extremely well coached, and they were they were deserving of winning tonight. You know, kind of going off of that, I guess when you do notice the team, you know, coming out flat, things like, how do you find the Hyundai Palisade versus Chevy Traverse? Oh, 
Sorry, <laughs> I was trying to find my tab and I couldn't find it here. Um, thoughts on that, what that was from uh, Andrew Jones of Tar Heel Illustrated to ask that question. Oh, okay. Um, so thoughts on what uh, Hebert was saying there kind of echo what we were saying. It just looked like it, it gives a little bit more context to what we saw on the court, uh, in terms of just kind of lackadaisical a little bit first half. Um, it's something about Clemson, man. It's something about Clemson that just makes us kind of like, we'll be all right. <laughs> we'll be all right. And then they just ran out of road. You know, my my take on that is, and, and I just thought about it now because um, when you have a deep team like we have this year, um, there's there's room there for for getting some guys in that can bring some energy mm-hmm. off the bench. And, um, and then even furthermore, um, I, I thought back to Coach Smith, and uh, he had no qualms about putting the, the blue team in. And that would be a perfect situation right there when they get out to those first what, two and a half minutes when they hit like every shot. That would be two, yeah. We needed a spark. Um, and usually what that blue team did was hustle their butts off and piss off the starters. So what we, you got the blue team hustling, kind of getting the crowd back into it, and then you put the starters in after a minute or two back in. And I, I think that may have been something that – and I'm not saying he should have or could have, but I'm just thinking in retroactively that maybe – would have done something uh, to kind of give us a spark that we never really got. Now we fought our way back over time, but that we never dug ourselves out of that hole that we got ourselves into in the first three minutes. You know, Peter, yeah, well, these, well, these did had the blue team. It seemed like it was more, more scheduled, yeah. uh, a routine sort of thing, but Roy Williams tended to be upset and he would make it, he, it would be more punitive by sitting everybody in uh, down and throwing in uh, five reserves. Yeah, uh, and that that would be what probably was uh, help would might have been helpful at that point. Does that still exist? Because I'm sitting here thinking during Hubert's tenure there, has he thrown in a blue team like that? I don't think so. So I mean, is that even uh, an option still to do something like that to pull all five and just drop in the next five from off the bench and let them sit for a little bit? It's always honest. It's weird though because I didn't even think about that when it was like. Um, I think I was still punch drunk a little bit uh, when it was 15 to two and Hubert had to call that timeout before the TV timeout. Cause I was already like, all right, Hubert, you might need to, <laughs> you might need to call timeout. This is getting kind of wild. And when it got to 15 to two and he finally had to call it in my first thought as a Carolina fan should have been throwing the blue team. Let's see what they do. And I didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind. I was just like, yeah, guard PJ hall, please. <laughs> like someone guard this kid. Like he's out here just shooting threes with reckless abandon. It's the same thing though. Uh, the teams that have beaten Carolina this year have shot pretty okay from three. They've hit their free throws, and they forced Carolina into bad shooting nights from three. Um, now, granted, it's only been five of those all year, but th- I'm seeing those trends pop up whenever Carolina loses a game. And these last couple games that they've lost, yeah, two out of the past three they've played, but very tight games. Uh, Carolina could easily won either one of them if they had just hit their free throws, uh, in my opinion. So – I don't know how worried I really am about Carolina. I still think they're the top team in the ACC. I still think they're a Final Four contender. I still think they're going to win the ACC regular season. Um, but they can't play like that. <laughs> they can't play like that and expect to win games in this league where the rest of the nation might think it's underrated. But if you sit here and watch ACC basketball on a weekly basis, there's a glut of teams in the middle. Virginia now is all of a sudden in the middle of all this. And they've got like the longest, was it the longest home winning streak or something in the country or something right now? So, Virginia's lurking. Uh, Duke is still there. Uh, Wake just had that huge win over Georgia Tech the other night. NC State's still lurking around. Um, 
this this uh this Clemson team, Miami, who we see on Saturday, they're all kind of bunched in the middle of the ACC. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if any of those teams got to like semifinal Friday night or whatever in the ACC tournament because of the just the way they're all grouped together. I think uh, I, hopefully it's not a trend, but the Carolina's defense uh, has been huge most of the season. They had held every opponent under 70 points first nine ACC games, and they've given up 74, 84, and 80 yeah. uh, in the last three games. And uh, you know, that's, I don't know what's the cause of that. Now, it seemed like to me that they were switching, not switching as much against Duke, but they were back to switching a lot against Clemson. What did you see about that, Pete? Yeah, you know, I know there's a certain – I know they tend to switch to all those top pick and rolls, um, and I don't always agree with that. But, I mean, they have a they, – they do what they do. Um, I kind of noticed, uh, you know, the, the flip side of pushing it so much is you're going to get more possessions for both teams. Um, and I, I love the offense, that, that the way we're pushing the ball off the court. Um, I just thought um, last night especially there was, there was a stretch, obviously, at the beginning, but uh, throughout the game where those guys were getting some pretty good looks in three-point land um, – and, and I was worried about Gerard and PJ Hall in the first game at Clemson, and they both shot poorly. Um, and I, I think that may have um, caused some false sense of comfort with those guys because those guys are, I mean, Gerard was always a scorer up there at Syracuse, and, and PJ Hall has proven um, you give him a, a little, he was, he was getting, uh, and I was at that Clemson game at Clemson when I did it, and he was getting contested shots. I mean, um, Armando was out a little bit farther. So, you know, I'm not necessarily worried about the defense, but um, at the same time, you know, it, it, it is something that has to be a stable of ours if we're going to um, get very far at the end of this year. We can't we can't have it fluctuate game to game. Um, I'm, I'm I'm confident it will. I don't know um, Ariel on their on their switching if they were more or less in, in this game. I know um, they seem like they switch everything. All teams to switch everything these days. Um, I, and I'm always uncomfortable when 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 uh, Baycott switches on that guard, but he does generally a pretty good job but you know that, that's something that can be taken advantage of probably yeah they, they did get caught one time too uh rj and armando got caught in a switch and it put uh rj on pj hall and pj hall immediately knew it and went down in the block got it and did a spin and he was at the rim and dunked it i mean clemson played really well um we need to address that it's not so much what carolina didn't do uh the teams that have beaten carolina the past you know, a couple of weeks, Georgia Tech and Clemson, they played really good games. <laughs> like, I mean, we can't take much away from them, especially last night. Clemson did everything they were supposed to do uh, to win the game, and they're not scared of the Dean Dome anymore. Um, going into it, a lot of kids that are on that team were on the team in 2020 that actually broke the streak or whatever and uh, 0-59 and all that stuff. Um, and I think it used to be back in the day, Carolina. Well, actually, maybe you can ask this, uh, answer this question, Pete. How did you guys feel when Clemson would come into the house uh, <laughs> whenever you were playing there? Uh was it kind of a sense of we got this little brother kind of type of vibe or were you on alert? You know, we we, we had some pretty darn good teams in my time, and, and that was probably a little bit part of it. I know when, when they had the, the uh, Dale Davis and Elman Campbell, we were pretty good that those couple of years. So mm -hmm. we, we actually took care of business. Um, and that was always – I just felt like we were always just more talented during during my, my tenure here. Um, and I think what we're seeing throughout the league is, is these teams are pretty much multi – all pretty dang talented um, and can win anywhere. Um, and the thing I'm, I keep on going back to when we run all those games in January on the road was we were making key plays down the stretch to kind of secure those. And, and some of the fans were overlooked some of the plays with like seven, eight minutes left. But I mean, there's 
a lot of stuff last night that we weren't doing as far as those rebounds. And, and RJ was hitting those runners all year. He missed a couple last night and just stuff that, you know, minute things that may not think we, if you watch them individually, make a big deal, but we were making a lot of those plays um, previously. And I think we will again. It's just last night we didn't. Would it be in the halfway point of the ACC regular season? It's a good, it's a good part for us to kind of pick our midseason uh, MVP uh of the team. I thought it was gonna be fairly easy, but after watching last night, I'm like, I don't know, actually, I'm not sure who it would be. Um, who would you pick for the midseason MVP on the roster right now? Um, after up to this point, <laughs> oh, I was, I would still say RJ Davis for sure. Yeah. See, I'm kind of leaning to Harrison Ingram a little bit because of his absence last night. Um, yeah. when he, I don't, I don't know what happened. Did he catch like a trolley horse or something? Um, well, he had, he had, he, well, he, he took a fall, and it turned out he was cramping. That was the main reason he went back to the dressing room. Because it looked like his 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 quad was, like, cramped up or something. Yeah. Uh, and trust me, I know how if, if you've never been woken up out of your sleep from having a Charlie horse or <laughs> a calf cramp or something, you have no idea what pain truly is. So I, I understand uh, that and the fact that he was able to get back in. And as soon as he gets back in, he hits a clutch three uh, that kind of was helpful in uh, that little Carolina run that they had. I'm just trying. Where, where's this Carolina team without Harrison Ingram? Like, what, what are they? Um, same thing with RJ, though. Uh, what are they without RJ Davis? So, I, I've kind of prodded the fact that it doesn't feel like you can just shut down RJ Davis and you beat Carolina, or you or you, you you get Harrison out of the plan and you'll beat him, or Armando for that matter. It feels like you got to take out multiple guys, and they have to. Carolina has to beat themselves, in my opinion, and that's kind of what happened last night. They started out way too slow. Uh, Georgia Tech, they underestimated Georgia Tech. But if they're if they're on one from the very beginning, like that Duke game Saturday night, they're a very hard team to beat. Um, if they're if they're all in line with what they're trying to accomplish from the very beginning, and for the most part, they've been like that all season, um, except for you know four or five times. Here's uh, Armando after the game and his comments. Uh, this is courtesy of Pat Welker from WRAL. Uh, basically echoing the same thing that uh, he saw some stuff he didn't like before the game began. And uh, that's what kind of, in his opinion, led to what's, what's going on. Um, let me make sure. Here we go. Just too casual uh, practice. We didn't come out how we wanted to. I mean, our practices, we're going full on all out and they just haven't been that good these last two days and shoot around today. We had a bad shoot around and, even in Wallam today, we didn't get out there on time. We didn't. We just our approach this whole coming up to this game just wasn't where it needed to be, and we got what we deserve. Mondo talked about coming out late to warm ups. Um, yeah. Where did that come from? Was that just like naturally occurred, or was it like just hanging out, or whatever happened? I, I feel like I mean, we, most people would take naps before the game. You know, I feel like we just weren't ready to go. Some people slept in. I mean, we're getting taped, and you know, people were just late, and it just can't happen. I feel like that showed in the game. I mean, that was like one of the first games we were late, and we came out slow. Energy in the warm-ups was slow. Energy at halftime, everything was, wasn't the same. Just too casual. Uh, practice, we didn't come out. So um, basically echoing um, what Hubert said, uh, are you concerned that they're – actually, I like the fact that they called this out. Um, Pete, as a former player, would you prefer them to, to do that kind of stuff like the way they did it in today's world, you know, being asked by the reporters post-game – them being truthful like we weren't ready this is what happened or keeping that in-house and addressing it with the team after the fact is it better to kind of put it out like this i like i like the the blanket statement we weren't ready to play 
um, and then you address what the specifics in-house. Um, you don't want to start anybody with any finger pointing because now we're going to be like, okay, well, who was late? Because somebody that was, was the first thought. <laughs> that was literally the first thought. Who was it? This team is close, but when we start specifying what certain things happen, you know, people are going to be like, okay, well, I know he came in later, and you know, so. I'm more like we, we did. We weren't ready to play. Um, we got to do better. I got to do better and, and handle the details in house. Um, it, it, it is unfortunate, but I, I, again, uh, this team has so much so much veteran leadership um, that they need need to uh, take care of that, that those issues, and, and I think they will. Armando is always very honest with uh, us, and uh, I question whether we even know about that players only meeting after Georgia Tech. If he hadn't brought it up mm. in, a, in the press conference uh, ahead of a, a Duke game, so yeah, I, I always appreciate his honesty. Uh, and and uh, and last night he he clearly looked discouraged. Um, I'll pull up uh, here before we get out of here, uh, real quick. The standings as they stand as we go into um, the weekend, Carolina has uh, a road game versus Miami Saturday. Uh, RL, do you know the time uh, for that one off the top of your head? Four o'clock, I believe. Yeah. Four o'clock. And I imagine it's on ESPN or ACC Network through ESPN. Uh, ESPN. So uh, Carolina sitting at 10-2 and two in conference play. Uh, still a game ahead of the rest of the pack. 18-5 um, overall, 10-1 at home. That was their first home loss of the season. Uh, was to, to to Clemson of all people. Um, <laughs> five one on the road. Um, Virginia has snuck up to second place. Um, it's crazy because they got blown out by like Notre Dame like a month ago, I think, and everybody left them for dead. And all they've done is go on a seven game win streak. Uh, they're thirteen and zero at home. Uh, Wake Forest is twelve and zero at home actually, and th- they're they're right here in the thick of things. So. Virginia second, ninth ranked Duke, uh, and third, along with a grouping of NC State, Florida State, Wake Forest, all at seven and four. Uh, you got Miami at six and six, who we will see on Saturday. Um, they just lost uh, their fifteen and eight as well, and then Virginia Tech and Clemson, Syracuse, Pitt, and then it kind of drops off from there. But looking at this today, how many teams do you think they see can get into the NCAA tournament based on what the the, the body of work so far? I'm counting right now. I'm looking through here. Uh, uh, you know, I watched the end of the Virginia game last game. They they did look that they're playing really well. Um, I, I three, four. I mean, I heard five on the on the news this morning, but I think maybe even six. Ooh, okay. Carolina, Virginia, Duke. You got State getting in there. Florida State, State, State Wake. I I have uh, I have. Florida State Wake, I have Clemson down there. They're down there, but I have them getting in. Yeah, I've seen people say Wake probably wouldn't get in at this point. A lot of it's non-conference, what they did in the non-conference. Same for NC State. uh, Floating around towards the top of the league standings, but they don't really have a signature win uh, outside of, well, really at all, uh, State or Wake Forest. And I'm sitting here thinking about it. Wake had an opportunity against us, um, but they just weren't able to do so. Hell, even Duke. Duke's main marquee win this year is what Baylor? Because I was trying to think who else have they beaten uh this year? Baylor, I guess. And Baylor's top 15, so that would be Duke's signature win. Ours would be Tennessee. Um, and we don't really have a well, I was gonna say we don't really have a bad Oklahoma. loss. 
I guess Georgia Tech would be considered a bad loss. Uh, is it? <laughs> I don't know. What do you consider a bad loss nowadays? Because uh, they were saying on the TV, Clemson's probably a, a tournament team, like Pete was just saying. So not necessarily a bad loss, uh, but a loss is a loss. Um, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on this because there's still, uh, again, it's a 20-game season. Uh, we're 12 games in, so we got eight to go. Um, and coming up this Saturday is, of course, the Miami Hurricanes. Any quick thoughts on Miami uh, before we get out of here and what you expect to see on Saturday? Uh, well, Coach Team, those expectations uh, maybe haven't been met, but they were there for a reason. You know, we gotta we got to come ready to play. I think if there's any game where you want to come out with an edge ourselves and, and, and get back into the flow, it's going to have to be um, – these next couple on the road, especially in Miami, it's going to be it's going to be tough. I mean, all these road games in ACC, as, as we kind of talked about, you got to make plays um, to win those games. They, they're not going to come to you on a platter. So, going to be an intense game. Hopefully, we can uh, we can get a nice consistent effort throughout. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be sold out, and they have a lot of pieces of uh, from from the team that made the Final Four. Uh, now, Wooga Poplar has been disappointing this season, and uh, watch watch him come through with a big game when you least expect it. But, yeah, it, it's definitely not going to be an easy game. Uh, and the environment's probably going it, to – it's going to be one of the tougher environments down in Miami, I would think. Any, so, any word on the, the status of Seth Tribble? Like, I, they said he got hurt in practice, but didn't really go into detail what it was. Um, any idea if he'll be available by Saturday? They didn't they give us any indication at, at all. Uh, so it's, it's anybody's guess. I could, I, I would, if I would guess that they would say he was day to day, but I don't really know. Yeah. Uh, so it's it, obviously it would be huge to get him back for the Miami game and the Syracuse game. I, I did like the grit of Paxson Wojcik during the game, uh, in terms of, he was not afraid. Uh, he shot a couple of threes, hit him, uh, was active. He was, you know, down on the board, slapping the ball out of there, you know, just being just that dude like down in there, kind of dirtying up a little bit, which is what we kind of needed with no Seth out there. But you, it does drop off from Seth to Paxson when it comes to athleticism and defending and a lot of other things. So, um, so there's that. I do expect Carolina to come out hair on fire on Saturday, um, because they are a veteran team. Uh, th this is one of the oldest teams in college basketball. So I, I don't think that they took too kindly to losing to the likes of Georgia Tech and Clemson over their last three, right when their profile was getting raised to one of the top four teams in the country. I don't think that they will take Miami lightly. I like the fact it's on the road. I think they need a couple of road games, get away from the Smith Center and kind of refocus. Uh, they tend to play well on the road. Um, and I think they just need to get away from the Dean Dome for a little bit after that win against Duke. Uh, like you said, RL, it's hard to duplicate the emotion uh, you could hear the noise through the TV. Like it was the loudest Dean Dome's been all year. Like it, it, that crowd was rocking. Um, and to still naturally have that in your ears two days later, uh, they were flat. They couldn't hit shots first half. Like you could just tell that it just took a lot of energy out of them, which is fine. It's your biggest rival. It's Duke. It's nationally televised. ESPN's there all day, college game day and all that stuff. I get it. Um, but I'm not that worried. Uh, I'm not that concerned. Now, if they go down on Saturday and they they throw a clunker out there against Miami, now I'll be like, okay, what's going on? Like, what happened? Um, but I don't think they'll do that. I think the makeup of the team, they're just too veteran heavy uh, for that to go down. And a lot of these players have just seen so much over the past three, four years, wherever they've been. I just think they'll be more ready. 
Um, I do hope that Cormac Ryan gets out of the slump or whatever's going on uh, with him because it, that did hurt last night that he could not hit any shots. Uh, what was he, one for 10 or something like that by the end of yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I, I sat there on uh, courtside during the warm-ups and saw him miss three consecutive uh, three-point attempts. And I, I'm thinking to myself, that doesn't look good. Yeah, I don't you know. know. He's been a streaky shooter his whole career, but one of 10 from the floor, and then the only one was like a driving jumper. Yeah. And his game score was minus two. I mean, uh, he's a solid defender for sure. He does a lot of things other than scoring, but he could be an X factor uh, if he starts to be consistent with his perimeter shooting. Because you can't really go with the roster. I guess it'd be Withers that would be the next one up at that spot. Because um, I was looking at the roster, I'm like, well, what if you decided to start bringing Cormac in off the bat? Who's coming? Who's starting instead of him? You don't really have another guy that can fill that space where he is uh, in starting minutes. Um, Withers, I guess. But uh, after that, maybe Tribble would have been the guy. But, but then again, Withers, has, Withers has two points combined in the last four games. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't, ever since the Louisville game, like he kind of had his career high against his former team. And then ever since then, he just hadn't really been able to score. Um, so I don't know. They, they, they still have questions. It's still, February. Nobody was crowning Carolina national champion after beating Duke. We were just happy they beat Duke. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I think that's the thing too. That people think, oh well, championships aren't won in February. No, they're not. But games against Duke are. <laughs> Those games are won in February. So we'll celebrate that and we'll move on to the next games or whatever happens. So uh any final words from you guys before we get out of here today here on Believe in Hills Hoops. Uh I just wanted I I didn't get a chance to, to pipe in with the MVP. Um oh right, yeah. I thought I think that RJ is, is is by far one of the best players on the team and playing the best. But um, we talk about most valuable player on the team, and 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 I kind of echo in what Ariel was saying about Harrison. You know, he he does so many different things, and, and I don't think we anticipate the rebounding. But you throw in the fact that he can hit the, the the jumper, but also I love it when he kind of backs the guy down. He hasn't done that as much lately, but that's another post guy. And I'm a big get the ball in the post and mm-hmm. and kind of start there and. And, and that's a one way to do it. Armando's another way, uh, but they're totally different uh, ways that that happens. And, and I love the fact that he can start on the perimeter and get down low. And he usually has a pretty good mis- mismatch down there. Anyways, I, I just think he's he's uh, proven almost invaluable to this team. So I'm, I'm hoping he's uh, pretty healthy coming out of that injury, whatever it was, uh, for the game against Miami. So we'll we'll see what they the Hills do uh, against Miami on Saturday. We'll probably be back with a new episode Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. And uh, keep in mind, whenever we're live, um, whether you're catching us on Facebook or Twitter slash X or Instagram or wherever you're catching the feed, you can actually participate live in the show. You can leave a comment. You can uh, uh, tell us how you feel. You can you know leave uh, questions if you want us to a- uh, to answer. Uh, regarding what we might have saw in the game or the team in general or the ACC, and we'll be able to respond to them live in real time. So definitely uh, do that. Spread the word. Believe in Hills Hoops, our first season here on the Believe Podcast Network, uh, following the uh, North Carolina men's basketball team uh, down in Chapel Hill. Um, presented by Bet Online. Uh, catch us next week with a brand new episode uh, for our special guest, Pete Chilcutt. From the Tarot Tribune's R.L. Bynum, I am Desmond Johnson. You've been watching and listening to the Believe in Heels Hoops podcast on the Believe Podcast Networks. Go Heels. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call 
working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.